Hi, I'm Carolyn. And I'm Bethany. And we are Sisters, Sisters in Song. And we again we may have a little delay today because we're we're Not taping together, separately. Right? Together. I just said taping. You know what we meant. Doing the podcast. <laughs> no one tapes anymore. We are thrilled to have Mr. Willie Wisely with us today. Equal parts Minnesotan music scene veteran and Laurel Canyon devotee, Willie Wisely remains that rare bird mixing profound power pop with vaudevillian showmanship. In his four decades of music making and crowd playing, Wisely has followed the muses of singer, guitarist, producer, songwriter, collaborator, composer, and sometimes clothes horse. The summer of 2019 marked the release of his album, Face the Sun, produced by John Strawberry Fields, who crafted Wisely's breakthrough 90s albums, She and Turbo Sherbert. Wisely is also a producer, notably for young Mark Foster of Foster the People, comedian Andy Dick, and educator Michael Rither's Kids of the Earth, an ambitious new project hailed as soundtrack to saving the planet. Currently, Wisely works in acquisitions at Concord, where he spent several years on the team managing the estates of Billie Holiday and Tammy Wynette. Wow, welcome to Mr. Willie Wisely. We are- Thank you, Bethany. Thank you, Carrie. So we are curious, how did you get started in music? Or what got you interested in writing your own songs? It was a friend, several friends who all played guitar in ninth grade in high school, joined the talent show and they were it was 1979 so of course we're they're going to play Freebird, and they talk the reluctant jazz drummer into playing with them and they've got three guitars no one will deign to play bass and they all realize that no one can sing so they say bill can you sing and i'm i have no clue if i can sing and they just strummed and i went if i leave here and um like you're hired I just got on stage with them, but before I did, I I kind of half took off my shirt and kicked off my shoes and thought I'm going to make the most of this. And so it was just all, from the very beginning, it's been an equal balance of just, hey, Freebird's actually great material, but uh, a great material, uh, stage presence, and a, a lot of just walking the planks and, and taking risks. So, and a little bit of clothes horse too. But uh, yeah, oh no, after that, you know, my my really good friend who was one of the guys who had just picked up guitar, he brought me to his bedroom. He's got, you got to hear this. It's my older sister's album collection. And he drops the needle on, you know, and it was a fast revolution, the Beatles. And when that kick drum comes in and the snare, and I just remember, I'm I'm getting goose pimples right now. Uh, just thinking about it. It's what the, the power of music just drives me. And I just remember my nose down in that, orange plush carpet in his bedroom just thinking i need to make music so and of course if the beatles wrote their own songs i guess that means i have to write my own songs you know so it was just like there was no question like i'm not gonna do other people's songs i'm gonna do my own okay best guess i better start learning how to write right so tell us about some of your collaborations i know you have quite the prolific bio here we want to know a little bit about who you collaborated with how that kind of came about and what you like about collaborating with others I really, really do. And, you know, I've collaborated with a lot more um, songwriters who aren't professional than I have professionals. You know, I, I work very often in Nashville, so I see what that scene's made of, and it's super impressive. And I don't really operate at that level. I love writing with friends. I love writing with and people I don't know, particularly females. 
And I just find that to be a lot of fun. I guess most notably, you know, co-wrote an album with comedian Andy Dick and um, and Andras Jones, who really put the whole project together. He's he's a cool writer. So that was a strange and wonderful project that I also produced. I'll tell you, like, I have two kind of start here albums. One is called Parador from 2005. And that he, almost all every song on that album was just co-written with Rebecca Lord, who is on the real world. I'm living in Hollywood, so you just meet these types. Or another two songs are written with Tracy McMillan, who is now a famous book writer, self-help artist. Like, she doesn't even do music anymore. Thinking of songwriting, can you tell us some about your songwriting process? Do you, so we have been working with like prompts and trying to do kind of go that avenue. Do you do that or do you... Like, do you start with lyrics or music first or a combination of both? That was like three questions in one. So feel free to answer that however you'd like. Yeah, I don't know. I can totally track that. Um, Yeah, you know, my friend Dan Wilson has has a neat, all his social center around songwriting prompts. And I he released a deck of, you know, tarot cards or whatever that are just like, rando, pick one. Okay, that's write a song about your dog today, whatever. And um, but pretend the dog is president of the United States. He he goes deep. He treats songwriting very emotionally. You know, he, he wrote for notably for uh, 19, Mrs. 19. What's her name? Adele. I found his process to be really interesting. Mine. I love uh, I had the benefit of studying music theory really young. My mother forced me to piano lessons in, in uh, grade school. I sort of start with music theory and what inspires my songwriting is the way chords blend with each other. I don't often start with a lyric idea. The chords suggest lyrics and meaning and colors and and life stories. I do love a good story song that tells a tale, lots of specific details, not even particularly a universal one. You know, just maybe something that's very specific to my upbringing, playing capture the flag in the backyard, um, you know, as as a youth. To answer your question, where do I start when I'm with others? I most often write with a woman, uh, a writer named Kristen Mooney. When we write together, she she really sets a tone and she will come with a lyric that'll be like 101010101. And I'm like, where'd you get that? She's like, well, I was stuck on the 101 today for a really long time. 101, 101, And so we wrote a song called On the 101, 101. And it's very back rack and, and in a little boss of flavor. Um, I like to go with the wind. And I see a lot, you know, songwriting for the charts is a different exercise. Songwriting for the cool kids is a different exercise. Songwriting for hip hop is a different exercise. Um. Anyway, I'm sort of perhaps over answering your question, but. Follow up question to that. Do you like the writing process more or, you know, writing songs or performing more? Oh, yeah, I'm I'm completely addicted to. You know, I'm a rocker at heart, but sometimes it gets enters the schmaltz zone. So sometimes people see more music theater in in my performances than than even rock, even though like I have a who cover band where I'm shirtless and spinning the mic and the guitarist is doing windmills and and we are great it's it's yeah it's an exercise in masochism because the who were a, a violent band and um we i want to emulate not only their music and their chords and the great songwriter that pete townsend was 
the great singer songwriter that he was, but also their levitating energy. That's just in, you know, just insane auto destruction. But I love lead singing. I love being on stage. I love guiding an audience through a song. I through my first first annual show of thanks recently at a uh, old 1920s theater here in Minneapolis. And it was really neat. I made it a benefit for Open Arms of Minnesota, which just delivers a million and a half free meals that are grown in their own garden, organic, non-processed, no chemicals to the medically ill, critically ill people with seven different types of ailments, you know, renal, the heart, AIDS, whatever it is. And it's just an amazing organization. I volunteer for it and I made it about them. And it was so neat how when you have a purpose like that, you can take a song that I wrote in 1987, per, for instance, called Duration, and I suddenly realized I'm in for the duration. I'm in for the duration. I'm down for the count on this open arms charity. And the meaning of the song was so revealed with the performance. I, I love the recording that I made of that song, and I can play it to a million people, but if I can get on stage and explain to them how something has come back into my life 35 years later as terrifically meaningful, and I want to sing this song to you like I have never, ever sung it before. So I love it when when what I feel is great songwriting and, and performing blend. Do you ever struggle with songwriting? Do you ever get stuck? And if you do, what's your cure? How do you get out of that writer's block? Of course, I get Stuck all the time. Um, I'm a. I can count on one hand the songs, the, the top songs in my catalog that that were written in a sitting. That you know, Buddha rarely descends from the sky and plops down on the mountaintop. But more often than not, and you asked about co-writing earlier. If I can't co-write with others, co-writing speeds up the songwriting process because it becomes a game of ping pong, right? If you're all alone, you're running to this side of the table and you're running to that side of the table and you're, and it's exhausting and you've only got so much in you. And, and um, unless I'm by a pool in Palm Springs be, with food being brought to me, I get really bored of songwriting like that. What I really like to do is I like to use time as my songwriting partner, spit out ideas and um and come back to them don't be afraid to leave them quickly do not be a finisher in that moment because the you that will exist in three minutes or three hours or three days is going to be your songwriting partner and they're going to be able to know exactly what to do so don't get hung up in, in other words keep a, a lot of lanes going on at once and um that to me then you're perpetually stuck in all your lanes but at least you're moving forward that's great because I think we're such self-editors. So the idea of, yeah, not, not getting stuck on it. I like it. What, what are your current projects that you're working on? Let's see. I'm about to embark on recording my ninth studio album. Yeah, very excited about that. Um, my career is, you know, if, if you visit Willie Wisely at, at any of the streaming services, there's probably 25 albums and it's because I've, I've been in other bands and side projects, but I've also released what I was doing all through the aughts and teens was every time I'd release an album, I'd release also the demos simultaneously or some in-between albums or live couple live from Japan things or um, when I was touring more. So there's a lot of that going on. There's one called Cassette Arcana, which is my cassette recordings from four track cassette deck all through the 80s from high school through the early 90s and a lot of those recordings are my most brilliant sonic work like nothing sounds like that like this is the closest i will ever come to 
having something sound like a Jimi Hendrix album or something, you know. There's a lot of different side projects, but to, to be on my ninth proper studio album is is really exciting because it's completely written. Uh, all, I've got 12 or 13 songs ready, and I, I just probably just have to put nine of them together, and, and that'll be exciting. I'll probably, again, do it with John Fields. Um, he's been instrumental in my life, as you mentioned in the bio. He produced my 1996-97 records that that sort of let the world know about me to the degree that the world does know about me. And then he went on to produce Mandy Moore, Busted, and and Andrew W.K., and Jonas Brothers did a bunch of their platinum records, and he's still working with Nick and the boys. And so he's gone on to do great things, and I love having him at the helm because he's, he's just a master, and he knows me really well. Yeah, as I mentioned, I have a Who cover band. Um, Pete Townsend has always been a, a hero of mine. Um, he is a... He could have been a Nick Drake or a... He writes songs of that level of sensitivity. It just so happens, though, he's got three of the most iconic big rock people ever at his disposal for 10,000 gigs. And they become this monolithic slab of, of, of power together. And it almost overshadows what an incredible writer he is. So to me, The Who is this perfect combination of everything, of performance, deep, deep, uh, and, and really advanced material. He wrote those rock operas, not to mention, but, you know, Behind Blue Eyes is a is an opera within itself. So The Who cover band is very, uh, it's it's getting more popular around town. And we, like I said, we can just freak out. That's been a real boyhood dream for me to get up there like Roger. I even shave, I have a hairy chest, but I, I shave my chest <laughs> to be like Roger. So it's totally like perverse. It's perverse idolatry uh, being in a Who cover band. What is the name of the Who cover band? Well, of course, Who Are They? Of course. <laughs> and we when we play the song, Who Are You? Who, who? It's, you know, who are they? I love it. Okay, so outside of songwriting, what other interests do you have? What do you do for fun? Or what do you do with your family? What do you guys like to do? Hit me in a, a moment in my life where I'm, I'm really coming to terms with the fact that I love fashion. I love vintage clothes. I could spend all day in a vent in vintage shops trying on things that i shouldn't appear in in public and <laughs> try on women's clothes and um and it's not just because i really had to be honest with myself i love playing dress up and that's a big part of this so uh my closet is probably twice as populous as my wife's i have clothes i toured all through the late 80s and 90s thousands of gigs um across canada us little bit in europe uh, three times in Japan, and and to stay out of trouble, I, I never use drugs. Um, I, to stay out of trouble, I just go shopping at the vintage stores. And when you're doing that in unbelievable shark skin suits, I have, I have, I have a closet full of fifty cent items that are I could probably sell for hundreds of dollars, and and vintage T-shirts that are perfectly worn out. I, I happen to know like friend who goes across the country looking for t-shirts that are worn out in just certain ways. And then he sells them to Matt Damon for $500. I, I told him you're never getting in my closet, man. Cause I don't want Matt Damon with any of this stuff. I was just going <laughs> to say, Matt will have all of your clothes. I, I love that. Um, but you know, with the kids, um, you know, my, my daughter is in her freshman year of college. My son is a junior in high school 
and his lifelong passion has been uh, baseball. He's a terrific left-handed catcher and out a uh, pitcher and outfielder, um, and just a wonderful soul. My daughter is Bonzo Looney for sailing, and she is going to college in Jacksonville. Uh, Florida and is on the sailing team and just has immediately fallen in with all the upperclassmen and his uh, nationals. Uh, she, she just left nationals two days ago. So she's doing incredible things. She caught the wind. So we have um, three questions that we ask everyone who joins us. And you've sort of answered the first one, but I'm still going to ask it. Uh, and it is, who are your influences? So obviously we've talked about the who. Um, but who who else would you credit as influences? Yeah, Paul McCartney first. And uh, just always wanted to be that man, always wanted to hug that man, always wanted to just somehow give back to him. I, and I, besides buying and streaming the albums, I, I don't know how. I'd be such a goofball if I ever met him. Uh, it's funny, I, I work at Concord, and he was a Concord artist when I first got there. And like the day I got hired, he announced he was moving to Capitol. And I'm like, oh, God, it's finally my opportunity to meet the man. Um, I did meet James Taylor, which is damn close. Damn close. Um, but what a sweet, sweet man. So James Taylor, yeah, Paul McCartney. Donovan is actually a big influence. He's so... Donovan, like, writes nursery rhymes for... He doesn't know it, but I feel like it's all nursery rhymes with him. And for some reason, that just really touches me. Yeah, so those are kind of my my three guys. But, you know, hey, it, it stretches to Joni Mitchell. It it stretches to, um, I love Lou Rawls, man. You know, he wasn't much of a writer. But, you know, I just, the, the singers and performers mean a lot to me, too. Hey, do you have a favorite lyric or song? It can be yours. It could be any lyric or song. What is it and why? And it could be current, you know, if you just have one right now. I know that's a difficult question, but. I've always been infatuated with um, the last song on Paul McCartney's Ram album from 1972. And it's called Sitting in the Backseat of My Car. It's sort of a kitschy nod to, um, there's a better word than kitschy. It's a nod to the 1950s and and making out in the back of a car. But but McCartney's vocal performance is so earth shattering. And frankly, I don't know how his voice ever healed. It, and and it it boggles the mind. And then it it ends with a reprise of a song from earlier in the record. And it's just it is a man on fire. It is a, a Beatle who knew he was the driving force in that band, the motivating force, not necessarily the only genius or spark, but it was the man who had something to prove. He knew his McCartney one album that preceded it and wildlife that preceded it were really weird phoned in kind of demo albums and he needed to make some a real statement ram is a beatles album it's that ambitious and it ends with that song that just murders me and and sitting in the back seat of my car that's uh <laughs> that's the lyric that comes to mind right now but but hey we can also visit uh no one knows what it's like to be the bad to be the sad man to be the yeah. bad man behind blue eyes no one knows what it's like to feel these feelings like I do. And I blame you. It just turns like that. And then I'm belaboring the point, but Townsend always sort of used his violent anger. The bridge, you know, is uh, when my fist clenches, crack it open before I lose use it and lose my cool. And if I smile, tell me some bad news before I laugh and act like a fool. Nothing in those two stanzas ends where you think it should. If we yeah. didn't 
if, if it weren't in my DNA, I, I have to study these things because they're in my DNA and I don't listen to them anymore. I need to pay attention and, and uh, closely and study why they so indelibly marked me. That's poetry, though. Totally. It deserves a repeat. So what advice would you give new songwriters or musicians? Depends on the level of ambition, you know. I mean, music is marketed to us as a pastime, right? That's what uh, Guitar Center does. It allows us to buy cheap instruments and have a hobby. Um, it doesn't necessarily serve musician, musician, professionals. I So I'm going to kind of guess delimit the question to what would you tell someone that wants to do music for a living period the end fully commit you know i've always i moved up i've been all over i've been on i've put seven indie record labels out of business you know i did the sound scores um i started a music branding company in the early teens <clears throat> and and it was uh, I wrote music for uh, the Green Bay Packers and of boots and and uh, Kentucky Derby and all this weird stuff, you know, music that was super branded. That's where things were going at the time. Wrote thousands and thousands of cues and real deal songs that were released by these commercial concerns uh, that didn't wind up permeating the market like it. And I wish all that time I would have just one thing. Just just keep being a writer. Or keep it's hard enough to be a writer and have an equal passion to need the need to be on stage. If you don't have a need to be on stage, you can hunker down and keep writing. You know, so I already my attentions were always divided. So I would just say, I'll tell you, there's um, there's ten thousand people in any of the music hubs right now who are all working twenty four seven to be film composers or to be lead singers or to be songwriters in this specific genre you have got to commit yourself you've got to specialize i think times have changed i think niche and specialization are the way to go in our culture i think technology the development of technology over the past few decades has enabled us to say that specialization is important and it's a way to elevate yourself yeah. find out what you're best at and laser focus so now it's time for you to give us a shameless plug. Where can people hear your music? Where can people see you play live? And anything else you might want to tell us? My fans need reminding and reminding and reminding because they're all of a certain age. Streaming music is basically free. If you press play, you won't break the internet. <laughs> no one will take your identity if you open Spotify and press the like button or God forbid the subscribe button. <laughs> like when people press buttons, it introduces my music to other people. It opens up the algorithm so that people can dis be in discover mode, which is important because we can't all just go on listening to the same three Billy Joel albums all of our lives. My message to people is stream, stream at YouTube, stream at Amazon, stream at Spotify, stream at Apple Music. Um, YouTube is fine if, you know, and, and you can get subscriptions or listen to ads or, or choose not to. But press those buttons and, and look, go to Willie Wisely. Wisely is in the dictionary. Willie spelled like Nelson. Go stream. My particular over is very broad. Some of it sounds like 60s garage music. Some of it sounds like Donovan, you know, Jennifer Juniper. Some of it sounds um, uh, broad like uh, 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 Rufus Wainwright. You know, it's all over the place. So get ready for a wild ride. I've modeled my career after the White Album, where you have Helter Skelter next to Blackbird. So I love diversity in music. So uh, get ready for that. I guess that's my shameless plug. I'm gigging all around the Twin Cities a lot. 
Okay, we would love to have you play a song. I wrote a song. Um, you know, we, you, you know how you you write them and you're just in love with them, and it's all you can think about, and you just want to play them over and over again. I wrote a song for my father-in-law. Um, hey, and by the way, thank you for thank thank you for doing this podcast. I listened to a couple episodes, and it's oh, just it's just wonderful how deep you guys dig and how thoughtful your questions are, and 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 how you seek out you know knowledge and other people's experience it's a beautiful thing thank we you it's a lot of fun for us um this song is um my father-in-law is a very special person my in-laws are very special people but my father-in-law took me hunting with him once he hunts because i used to hunt uh, birds and his favorite part of it is is interacting with his dog and of course like a, a good hunter he trains his dog endlessly and forms a very deep uh, relationship with that, you know, across species, right? And there's nothing like it. And it's really why he loves to go out into the woods. And he has a strong compulsion to provide for his family, not necessarily bring home food from the hunt, but he's always just been a great provider. Um, he and my wife have an adorable relationship. So I was, it was the midst of COVID and I um, was quarantined in the sunroom off of our house so i sat in the room you know there's a foot of snow on the ground it's winter i can't talk to anyone the meals are slid to me through a, a door um and uh but i wrote this song because i was thinking about you know family and and missing everybody it's called papa fish and good bow and um we my kids named him papa fish and because that's all he does <laughs> it's hunting fish and uh, his dog's name is Bo. Sing a song of the lake, pop a fish and good bow. Keep your eye on the laughing loon. Drop a line through the glass to see what babe brings. The kids be getting hungry by noon. Sing a song, Papa Fish, good bow, how we wish for your song of the lake in the woods. When do you suppose you're coming home with nets full? Wake us up when they're eating still good. Sing a song of the lake, Papa Fish, and good bow. What you're catching with them bamboo poles Dawn's turn to day and the cabin sleeps on You ought to roust our lazy bones Sing a song, Papa Fish Good bow, how we wish for your song of the lake in the woods When do you suppose You're coming home with the nets Full wiggers up While the Eden's still good Mighty Oaks Volunteer Where you've stood Sing a song Whistling songs Of the lake Papa fish and good bow 
hear the spring on the screen door expand With a net full of sunshine and bow at your heels We can't wait for that screen door to slam Sing a song about the fish Good bow, how we wish for your song of the lake in the woods When do you suppose you're coming home with nets full wakers up While the eating's still good Down the path, good bow is your guide In his eyes, a lion's pride Sing a song of the lake, pop a fish and good bow. Keep your eye on the laughing loon. Yay! Thank you, kind sir, for joining us today. Yeah, getting to pick your brain and talk with you has been absolutely amazing. Thank you. It's been a gem. Thanks so much for being part of our show. We're so happy. Talking to Willie Wisely was absolutely amazing. A guy who started with a boyhood dream of being the who. He has done the gamut of things and has a prolific bio that we are in awe of. Thank you, Willie, for being part of our show today. We had such a blast talking to you. Be sure to check out Willie at his website, williewisely.com. If you like this podcast, please Share it with your friends and family and post it to your social media. And be sure to like, rate, and review. If you're a musician and you want to be interviewed on our podcast, please email us at nashvillehotchickenmusic at gmail.com. We'll look forward to hearing from you and hope y'all look forward to hearing from us. Thanks for listening to Sisters in Song.